We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Twenty minutes a day. 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What's up, friends? Happy Monday. Welcome into another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Pack-A-Day Podcast. Just a quick timeout today to say thank you to all of you. Uh, super kind words and just all of you who have decided to subscribe and, and listen to the podcast on the audio podcast or watch it over on YouTube. Uh, it's, it's gone a long way and I just really appreciate the fan base that enjoys the Pack-A-Day Podcast. Obviously, appreciate everyone that is a part of the team. Uh, I'm really gearing up for what I think is going to be a really exciting season. Whatever happens, I think there's going to be a ton to talk about. And just really wanted to thank you for letting me be a part of your daily Packers talk, however you consume, whether it's weekly, daily, whatever it is. If this is your first time, welcome. And just wanted to give a kudos and shout out to all of you. So let's jump in right away, though, to our main topic for today. And that is going to be our takeaways from week two of training camp. So obviously, a ton of stuff happened. Week one had 
that first new car smell and you're going through and seeing the team and hearing about the team and watching the team for the first time. And now we had week two, which included family night. Uh, we had a variety of different practices, very competitive periods. We had some live tackling. So there's a lot to go over. And here were my 13 biggest takeaways from week two of Packers training camp 2023. Number 13 is that Brian Gutekinds continues to churn the bottom of the roster. And I've talked about this a little in the past. I love this. And it's not any disrespect to any player that's at the bottom of the roster, but once you get any feel or inkling that a player is not going to be part of your plans or that you feel like their ceiling is capped or limited in some capacity, they're not a fit for the offense, the defense, the special teams, whatever that thing is, why just hang on to those players and let them take snaps for another couple of weeks just to release them at the final roster cut down? How about getting some new blood in the building and seeing, hey, maybe one of these guys surprises and takes a major step and they think like they could legitimately be a 53-man roster candidate? Maybe they make a push for the practice squad, or maybe you just get more eyes on the player to see who ultimately needs to make up your taxi squad and your list of emergency players in case guys get hurt, right? So whatever the case may be, once you reach that ultimate destination of, hey, this player's just not going to be a fit for one of our active 53-man roster spots or a 16-man practice squad, let's start seeing if somebody else can compete with a player that's already on the roster to make it a little bit more competitive and maybe, just maybe, have a chance to actually make one of the roster. So that churning continued. They released Danny Etling at the end of the week, released Ladarius Hamilton, signed Cole Schneider, a player who was with the team last year in training camp. They claimed Aaron Mosby off of waivers. They cut Cameron McDonald. They cut Chuck Filiaga, and they signed Andre Miller as well. So bottom of the roster, some new guys in, some players who had been with the team, including uh, obviously Ladarius Hamilton, Danny Etling for a couple plus seasons now. They're on their way out, but I think that's ultimately what you need to do. And they do have an open roster spot now. So we'll see how they fill that in week three. They've got the, you know, Bengals Packers practices coming up this week, the first preseason game. So I'm sure they're going to want to stack that roster with as many players that they can fit on it as possible. But I just really like this idea from Goot. And I expect this to, in fact, he flat out said he'll continue to do this moving forward. And like I said, I think it is a very smart strategy for Green Bay. Number 12 on my list is Tariq Carpenter starting to really take to that inside linebacker position. Now, this is a very interesting player to me because when he first came out and Green Bay selected him in the seventh round, you were wondering if this was just going to be like another red shirt type of season. And more importantly, as soon as he was drafted, like the idea was this is probably a safety linebacker hybrid who eventually sees the field more if he does see the field as a linebacker than as a safety, can be in that linebacker position, can cover some tight ends and running backs. That's where he, you know, really was expected to be. Then 2022 comes along, they keep him at safety. That was the first thing that was sort of interesting. And then maybe more importantly, he played really, really well on special teams. So it was a redshirt season from a defensive point of view, but he played well on special teams and was active on game days and made his impact known on teams, which of course is going to get you more opportunities. 2023 comes around, they finally move him from safety to linebacker. And then the question became, all right, that's going to be a transition. And how does he take to it? Well, this week in practice, did a nice job dropping into a zone, had an opportunity at an interception. Unfortunately, he dropped that one. But then family night comes along, has a very similar situation, drops in zone, reads the quarterback, makes a play on the ball. This time he actually intercepts it. 
And then later in practice, there's a ball that, you know, a big hit from Benny Sapp. The ball goes flying out of Dontavian Wicks's hands. And because Carpenter rallied to the football from his linebacker position, got back there, he's in a position to make a play. And whether it was a fumble or an interception doesn't matter. It's a turnover for the defense. And ultimately he gets, you know, his hands on three footballs for the week. Two of them were uh, turnovers. One he probably should have had, and that's one he can improve upon. But overall, He's starting to make a little bit of a name for himself. And you can also see in some of the drills, like he just is starting to feel a little bit more at home at that linebacker position. So a long way to go for Tariq, but this is somebody that based on his special teams prowess, it has a really good opportunity of making the 53-man roster and being active on the game day 48. And with that being said, like that then all of a sudden becomes potentially one of your linebackers that are active on game day. Maybe he can give you a little bit of versatility, but really excited that Tariq Carpenter is starting to take a step and heading in the right direction. What that ceiling amounts to and if he can ultimately become a player that can be counted on on defense, that all remains to be seen, but he's definitely taking some steps in the right direction. Number 11, I don't want to go into too much, but at least worth noting, and I don't think there's any emergency or alarm bells yet, but David Bakhtiari did not practice after Tuesday's practice where he left practice or stopped practicing a little early, which is not out of the ordinary for him. He basically has what I think is probably a snap count every day and then doesn't practice Wednesday, doesn't practice Thursday, and then doesn't practice on family night. Earlier in the week, it had been noted that they were setting up David Bakhtiari's week with the idea that he would be able to practice at family night on Saturday. That ultimately doesn't come to fruition. They don't practice him on Wednesday, Thursday, or Saturday. Matt LaFleur did say after family night that this is just sort of the new reality and that also that there was no concern at this point. And I would love to just take it at face value, but there were there were a lot of, um, you know, he's ramping up, he's going to be fine sort of situations in the year that Bakhtiari missed in, in his second season, you know, you know, trying to come back from the, the, the ACL and everything like that. So I don't know. We'll see. I, I don't I don't want to put too many alarm bells up yet, but it's at least worth noting that Bakhtiari didn't practice the vast majority of the week. And that was certainly a change in some capacity, not only from week one, but from, I think, the expectations that they had going into that week. Number 10, the number three running back battle is heating up. And we saw some really fun plays. I think it was Thursday's practice. They did the live tackling Tyler Goodson had a 39-yard touchdown run during live tackling. He also had a really big play in two-minute drills. You had Emmanuel Wilson, who did his best Marshawn Lynch impression. It was just running over defenders in the live tackling period. Emmanuel Wilson had a really nice catch in the red zone uh, in some red zone team drills where he had a little, you know, sort of swing pass, but he extended and, and caught the ball nicely. He's been an impressive undrafted free agent. Lou Nichols, unfortunately, had an injury, but he also, outside of, you know, struggling to catch the ball, he had a couple of really nice runs this week as well and put together a couple practices. But again, he did have the injury. And then Patrick Taylor continues to be one of the key players on their special teams and is on the kick return unit. I think was on the kick coverage unit at times as well. But I know for sure he was on the kick ret- the starting kick return unit. And, you know, Brian Gutekinds and Matt LaFleur both mentioned special teams, pass catching and, run- or, and uh, uh, pass protection were going to be the key to that number three battle it's possible they could go with two running backs again, but Tyler Goodson, Emmanuel Wilson, Patrick Taylor, and Lou Nichols, that's heating up and that's going to be a very interesting battle for that number three running back position. 
Number nine, not a change from week one, but I continue to be impressed by the two starting corners, Razul Douglas and Jair Alexander. Jair probably gave up a little bit more this week in some of the practices and some of the one-on-ones. He's still been phenomenal through two weeks of practice. And Razul Douglas, I'll tell you what, this guy contests everything. He's super passionate. He had the the big display uh, where he was talking smack to everyone on offense on the Thursday practice. I love his energy. I love his intensity. I love his swagger. I love his confidence. This is a player that I think is going to really succeed in year three, going back to what he did best in year one, which was playing outside corner. He played it much better last year uh, when he finally got to outside corner again and Eric Stokes went out with the injury. Those two look like a really potent outside corner group or duo with Razul and Jair, and they've had a phenomenal training camp so far. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Number eight, the starting safety spot is getting more interesting. Jonathan Owens has now entered the conversation for a starting spot as well. Darnell Savage remains in the conversation. We saw Dallin Levitt have a few plays. I don't think he's legitimately in the conversation. And then Rudy Ford, Tavarius Moore, the other two. Two starting spots, obviously. I think this is totally up for grabs. I don't think Savage is a complete shoe-in as one of those spots. Jonathan Ford, uh, excuse me, yeah, Rudy Ford, Jonathan Owens, and then Tavarius Moore, all of them in that conversation. I don't think uh, Anthony Johnson Jr. is 
really anywhere close to that conversation yet. Ennis Gaines is more corner than safety at this point. So four safeties, two spots, I think it could go in any different direction, but Jonathan Owens finally gets a look. And by the way, I think he might be the best of the four safeties so far in training camp. That doesn't mean a whole lot. The difference, or the, you know, the difference between all four is very minimal in my opinion. But I've really liked what I've seen out of Owen so far. He seems to be extra motivated. He seems to be filling the gaps really well. He's been good in coverage in both one-on-ones and in team drills. So liked what I've seen out of Jonathan Owen so far, and hopefully that continues moving forward. Number seven, really want to shout out this because I don't think I've maybe done a good enough job of articulating it so far. I do believe Quay Walker looks so much more confident in year two. And I have mentioned, I want to see it in games. I want to see him playing instinctual football. I want to see him getting off of blocks. Those things are going to be important and just not having any sort of, you know, long times to think where you're not reacting right away or just, you know, making some mistakes in the backfield. His coverage has been fantastic. He had a great pass breakup and a two minute drill against the ones this week. And he continues to make his presence known in the run defense and the pass defense. I would have loved to see him pick off that pass that love threw to him, whether it was late last week or early this, this past, I forget whatever week it was, but still he is around the football a lot and he just looks to be flying around a lot more and playing with a much better level of confidence than what he did as a rookie, which is certainly understandable. Another uh, second year player who seemingly is taking a jump as well is Sean Ryan. Number six is Sean Ryan seems to be taking a legitimate step in the right direction. He is with the number two offensive line right now. They've played him some at guard. They've played him some at center. A player that I loved coming out of college, thought he was going to have a real opportunity to even potentially start his rookie year. Unfortunately, he did not show up to camp in great shape, never was in the conversation, found his spot on the 53 mostly, but like really only because he was a third round pick, ends up suspended at the end of the year. I didn't think he had a great OTA or mini camp. And I like started to question of like, is this guy even going to be on the 53? He's had a very nice training camp so far. He's been, I think, 8-0 in the individual one-on-one drills. He certainly seems to be doing much better in the number two offensive line. We'll see if he can even get remotely close to that conversation. I I don't think he is as like a a starting guard, but I do think he's in the conversation as like next man up with Royce Newman and some of those guys. That I think is legitimate. And Brian Gudikins mentioned in his press conference this week that some of the younger players are starting to pressure some of the veterans that have played a little bit more. To me, that's Sean Ryan, Caleb Jones, maybe starting to pressure guys like Royce Newman, Jake Hansen, et cetera, for some of those top backup spots. But Sean Ryan looks much, much better in year two than he did at any point in year one. Speaking of offensive line, the offensive line battle seems to very much be heating up. Now, Bakhtiari not practicing, I think, has certainly caused some issues to this. But we, at the beginning of the week, saw Bakhtiari at left tackle, Jenkins at left guard, Zach Tom at center, JRJ at right guard, and then Yash Nyman at right tackle. If everyone is healthy, meaning specifically Bakhtiari here, it does seem like there are two starting spots for three players, meaning Zach Tom, Yash Nyman, and Josh Myers. But for the first time, it does seem like Josh Myers' spot is at least in conversation and is there's going to be potentially some competition there. There's been five fumbled snaps so far in camp. Josh Myers has been a part of all of them. His run blocking has not been consistent. His pass protection has not been consistent. Devontae Wyatt has beaten him on a couple different occasions. It just needs to be better from Josh Myers. And that's going to be a very interesting battle moving forward. But we need to see David Bakhtiari get back and then see what they do with Zach Tom from there. But Zach Tom, to me, clearly one of the starting five. It just is 
probably more of, do you want Yash at right with Zach Tom at center? Or do you want Zach Tom at right with Josh Myers at center? Number four, do not take this too far, please. Because it's just a very slight note. But I do think Jordan Love took a slight, and I mean ever so slight, step back this week. And what I maybe should better say here is, I didn't think he took a step forward this week. Is what I, that's probably the better way to put it. Now that I'm thinking out loud as I'm recording, uh, but I'll say he. I don't think he took a step forward this week. And what I really wanted from Jordan Love is if you go rewind back to week one, right? Week one or day one was a tough day of practice with some multiple missed throws. Day two I thought was better, but had some inconsistencies. Then the the third day was the walkthrough. Day four he had a awesome Saturday, like one of his best days of practice. And what I wanted to see was him take that Saturday practice, stack success, and carry it over and have a really impressive week two on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and family night on Saturday. Now, what I didn't see was any sort of real legitimate step backwards. In fact, I saw a lot of the same things that I saw on week one with some inaccurate throws from time to time, great decision-making, great mental processing, command of the offense, scrambling when he needs to, keeping his eyes downfield, like all of the really good stuff was still there, but some of the inconsistencies and inaccuracies were there as well. But what I wanted, as I mentioned, was a step forward or at least the carryover of that Saturday practice into week two. And instead, what I saw was week two mirror a lot of what we saw in week one. And then family night was, as I mentioned in my family night recap, a microcosm of week one where the beginning of family night was the inaccuracies, what we saw on day one of practice, then some okay slash inconsistent play, which was day two of practice, and then a five for five finish with tearing through the defense and scoring in a gorgeous two minute drill, which is what we saw in that Saturday practice, him just balling out, right? So I don't think there was any step backwards, but I was hoping for a carryover slash step forwards in week two, and I don't think we saw that. So not bad by any means from Jordan Love, but just a lot of what we saw in week one. And now in week three, I really want to see him continue to take a step, lead that offense, and hopefully take what he did at the end of family night in that five for five stretch and kind of going through the the defense and winning the two minute drill carrying that over into Cincinnati and then in the joint practices. And we'll see how much he plays, if at all, in preseason, but uh, in the preseason game this week. But I want to see him take that step. Unfortunately, for me, at least personally, I'll be at Monday's practice, which is a light practice. Tuesday is a walkthrough that is not open to the media. Wednesday is going to be the joint practice day with the Bengals that I will not be at. And then I don't think there's practice or maybe there's a walkthrough Thursday. And then Friday will be the preseason game. So we're not going to get, at least I'm not going to get as much access this week. The Wednesday practice, I'm sure we'll get a ton of notes from, but hopefully Jordan has a very good week this week, including that joint practice and then whatever time he plays in the preseason game on Friday. Number three on my list is the young defensive linemen continue to impress. And I want to shout out four in particular here. Devontae Wyatt continues to take a very impressive step. He's been extremely impressive in the one-on-one drills. He's been winning more often up front. I feel like he's holding up well at the point of attack in the run game. He has bulled over some players, including Royce Newman at family night. He's had some impressive reps against Josh Myers. That needs to continue and there, there needs to be even more consistency there, but he legitimately seems to be taking a jump. And then you've got the two rookies, 
Colby Wooden and Carl Brooks, who have shown up all over the place this week with pressures, plays behind the line of scrimmage, potential sacks, etc. And then Jonathan Ford as well. I mentioned throughout this offseason, he seems to have transformed his body a little bit. Seventh round pick from a season ago that they basically redshirted, and that not basically, they did redshirt. They didn't play him at all last year. And then, you know, he gets his opportunity this year to show that he's shown some improvements. At family night, he had a couple big time plays in the backfield. Hopefully that's something that continue for him. It can continue for him. Matt LaFleur did shout him out as well this week. So young defensive linemen continue to impress. And that's going to be important as obviously Dean Lowry, Jerron Reed are no longer on the roster. Speaking of young players that continue to impress, I thought this was a really good week for the young tight ends. And yes, there are some learning curve moments still from these young tight ends. I thought there were a couple plays this week where you would have liked to see a little bit better blocking. I think there was a false start penalty here and there, but overall, I thought the emergence of these young tight ends, Luke Musgrave, we saw some of the stuff in family night, the seam route, the seam, the, the touchdown to Christian Watson were on the seam. The two safeties are paying close attention to Luke Musgrave on the play. You had the tight end screen, a play over the middle that Jordan missed, but on a, a crossing route, but nice route there. And then the seam route again, that unfortunately Jordan missed in the opening of family night, but you can tell he is making some incredible strides. He completely uh, juked out Darnell Savage, or at least just ran right past Darnell Savage. Savage stumbled and fell uh, because of what Musgrave did on the play in the one-on-ones at family night. Tucker Craft had some contested, really impressive contested catches this week, as well as a couple really nice blocks. And I'll I'll say Tyler Davis as well. Tyler Davis had some really impressive blocks this week, both in family night and in practice. So these young tight ends, they may not, I know we saw Mercedes Lewis sign with the Bears this week, and there was some angst about that and frustration and Tunyon's gone. These young tight ends are very exciting and I can't wait to see them play in games this year. And then last but not least, number one, a roller coaster of a week for Anders Carlson. He was 16 of 27 heading into family night below 60%. I had him at nine for nine on family night. I'm not counting the one where it had the horrible snap and hold that he had no chance at whatsoever. I am counting the extra point in the warm-up period uh, prior to the start of practice, but I'll say nine of nine. Just me personally, I like nine of nine a lot better than I like 16 of 27. He had a very rough week of practice heading into family night. He figured out a way to remedy it and make it much better at family night going nine for nine. And hopefully that is something that he can continue moving forward, but was a heck of a roller coaster week that had a lot of uh, valleys through the week and then a really big peak and just a really impressive performance at family night for Anders. And such is the life of a rookie player, not to mention a rookie kicker. And hopefully the bad stuff is now behind him. So those are my key takeaways, my 13 takeaways from week two of training camp. Gudikins continues to turn the roster. Tariq Carpenter starting to take to inside linebacker. Bakhtiari doesn't practice. Number three running back job is uh, or spot is heating up. That battle is. Uh, Razul and Jair continue to ball out. Jonathan Owens getting a real look at starting safety, and there's really four guys that seem to be in play for that spot. Quay Walker looking much more confident. Sean Ryan is taking a step. The offensive line battle heats up. A slight, maybe I'll just say, maybe not a, a step forward for Jordan Love in week two. Young defensive linemen continue to impress the emergence of the young tight ends and then a roller coaster of a week for Anders Carlson. That does it for me today. Thank you so much for joining me. We'll be right back here tomorrow with an all new episode, but until next time, and as always, go Pack Go.